little baggage here with me tonight. Anyone ever carry baggage? I'd like to go ahead and start off by about talking about uh, our journey of life. As we go through our journey of life, we carry with us some, uh, some heavy baggage. And as you uh, noticed when I came in, I was carrying some baggage. Um, heavy? Yeah. Depends. I brought some of it in beforehand, but I don't know if you've traveled before, but a lot of times uh, it seems like I'll travel with some young people to different things, and it's like we have this, and we have this, and then we're bringing them all along, and or you go on vacation, you're with your family, and you've got to go up three stories, you know, to get to the top floor, and you're carrying all this stuff just to get ready for vacation, but you're carrying heavy baggage. Um, but the kind of baggage that I'm talking about right now, of course, is a spiritual baggage. It's a baggage that um, may not be seen necessarily to the naked eye, but actually you're carrying. Um, during this journey, we carry the fragile stuff, the fragile stuff that determines our character. You know, this is really fragile. It's glass, and so... It's a nice uh, visual for something that is fragile. But we carry with us um, this fragile uh, piece of baggage and that again determines or reflects our character. Our character. And then we have the box that we carry around the baggage that we carry around that says this side up and really it could turn our lives upside down with the ingredients or the garb that's in here. And then, can't forget this, Lance. 1975. Some of you have one that's older than that. 1977. So then you have your memorabilia from our past. Ooh, look at that. Here's my senior picture. That must have been from one of my class reunions. Oh. But there it is. It's in the, it's in the yearbook. So it's memorabilia. And you start looking through, oh, I remember them. But we all have it. Memorabilia from our, memorabilia from our past. And then we have the secrets for our, our eyes only. And then, this is kind of like, this is my, this is where I put valuables that are most important to us. Actually, there's some coins in here. This is valuable. It's a card. Happens to be from Chase and Carey. 
And of course, this is physical, but it gives you the general idea. Keep our valuables there. That are most important to us. Everyone carries uh, each of these bags and the contents of the bags or the baggage tells something about us. The piece of baggage that may seem the smallest but is the most burdensome is our sin baggage. Our sin baggage. It's small. And to us, nobody can see it. Because it's pretty small. But realistically... In the spiritual realm, we know that this is what it looks like. Is everyone with me? And actually, it's really like this. You're barely even able to walk in the spiritual realm. And I know many, many years ago, for some of you that uh, have been around New Hope for a long time, many, many years ago preached a message and used bags like this and it was your burdens and we carry the burdens similar it's not what this message is about because now we just have our little the smallest one that sin bag if you're a christian satan has declared war on you i don't know if you know that or not but if you've given your life to jesus satan has declared war on you He's declared war on you. Amen? He has. You are his enemy. There's a battle going on every day, and it's a spiritual battle. And I know that if you sat here any, any amount of time, you've heard that, from message to message, from year to year to year to year, that there is a war. And a war is a battle. And I've heard the pastor say it's a bloody battle. And it's not a bloody battle, meaning... Physical, but in the spirit. Ephesians 6, 12, if they'll put it up. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. In high places. So, as this scripture mentions, it, it's not against flesh and blood, but it's against principalities. It's against powers. It's against rulers of the darkness of this world and against spiritual wickedness in high places. And the battlefield is your mind. It's your mind, amen? It's your mind. If there's any, anyone in here that wants to be honest, they'll tell you that there's a war that takes place all the time and it's here in the mind. Satan has declared war on you. He's declared war on your family. He's declared war on your faith. He's declared war on your, your church. He's declared war on your marriage. He's declared war on your Christian life. He hates it. He can't stand it. He's good at it because he's been doing it for a long time. This isn't his first battle. See, we think that it's his first battle. It's not his first battle. 
He's been at it for a long, long time. He has many weapons. Many weapons. We were at war in Iraq. And I did a little research today just to find out. But if, um, if we would have ever come to a head-to-head war with Iraq, the war would have been over in just a few days. If we would have come to a head-to-head war, it would have been totally over with. And I know uh, many years ago, Keith had said, geez, Lenny, Uncle Lenny, if, if we'd ever go to, it'd be all over with. Because he talked about, like, the subs and this and that. I'm like, wow. I mean, just like, whoa. So when I did the research, I could see that it would totally be over with. Um, and it's because of our military might. Uh, they wouldn't stand a chance. Uh, but I, I would ask this question, why are they still there? And I know it's a question asked by many Americans, and that's not what we're doing tonight. We're not talking about politics, but what we're talking about is a warfare. So the question is, why are they still there? Why haven't we defeated them? And during all the days of bombing, they never, ever, ever fought back because they couldn't during the bombing. But the question still stands, why haven't we defeated them by now? And when I read about us withdrawing our troops, and then in 2013, and actually up to January of 2014, we still had troops there. Not a lot, but we had troops. Now the troops are there to help them. But the question still stands, why are they still there? Why haven't we defeated them? Because they fight like the enemy, the devil. That's why. Because they fight like the devil. And you might say, what? They come out of nowhere. Have you ever seen that on TV? You ever seen one of the programs? They come out of nowhere. Just a few at a time. They don't run in bands. It's just a few at a time. A few here, a few there. They attack like snipers. Then they retreat. So we're just waiting and waiting and waiting for the next attack. Then they come and they take us by surprise when we're not looking. We don't know who they are or where they are. And you could read that on TV or read that in magazines. You would see that on TV. That's the way that it would take place. That's the way that it would happen. That's the way they would fight. So really, we didn't know who we were fighting. That's how Satan attacks our mind. That's how he attacks your mind. If we were to engage, if, if he, Satan, were to engage in an all-out war, head-to-head with us, we would be ready. We'd be looking. Because the Word of God tells us that we need to be sober, we need to be vigilant, uh, vigilant, sorry, and ready. So we'd be looking, we'd be ready, amen? But that's not the way he fights us. He attacks us when we aren't ready, when our minds are in a neutral state, when we don't recognize him. He attacks us, then he retreats. Then he attacks again, then he retreats. And actually, that's scriptural, because he would come to Christ, and then he would depart. And he'd come again, and then he would depart. So it's very scriptural. That's the way the enemy would fight. 
So tonight what we want to do is I want to look at a few things to see and talk about the battle for your mind. Because there is a battle for your mind. And yes, I have a few props here tonight. And none of them are meant to be humorous, but I'm sure that some of them will be. But what happens is, uh, actually, we have one, one body, but two minds. And again, it's not meant to be humorous, but it gets, gets the point across. Okay? Your mind under Satan's control. And your mind under God's control. And I know the pastor has used this um, analogy before. And I know that I have in school. And it was an old cartoon. I think it was a Bugs Bunny cartoon. And it was the little angel over here. And Satan over here. Or the devil. And had a pitchfork and a, a little tail. And over here saying, do it, do it. Over here saying, don't do it, don't do it. little halo on the angel. Okay. But that's not what we're talking about right now. What we're talking about is the mind under Satan control and the mind under God's control. The same mind, they're identical. The same mind. The Bible talks clearly about two minds. Look at Romans 8, 5, and 6. For they that are after the flesh do not mind the things of the flesh, but they are they that are after the spirit the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So the question I would ask is, do you choose death or do you choose life and peace? Death or life and peace? And so... When we talk about the mind right now, think about death. Think about death in the mind. Now, I could, and I, in school, you never know when I'm just going to go and throw something and it's a mannequin, I'm sorry. Throw a mannequin head or smack a mannequin head, or do something crazy with a mannequin head because I'm talking to my students, and say, you know, the thing of it is, is they can't talk back, okay? But the point that I'm making here right now is that's the mind in torment, in death. Or do you want life and peace? Life and peace or death and torment? What I want to do is take a look at the two minds. Satan wants to control your mind. He wants mind control. He wants brainwashing. He will use your mind as a weapon to control you, to defeat you, to devour you. If you don't learn to control or master your thoughts, Satan wins the war. Satan wins the war. Now, if you're honest with yourself, how many times have you let Satan win the war in your mind? Amen? It's quiet in here tonight. Romans 7.23 But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. 
we know that then what happens is death takes place. Life and peace or death? Life and peace or death? Life and peace or death? There's two things I want to look at tonight. Number one, you are what you think. Now, this is where it gets good. Because when I teach, this is what I tell my students all the time. Because when the students come in to me to learn, a lot of times they are so beat down that you can't even begin to educate them. Because they've been told what they aren't forever, okay? Forever. And so this is where I really, really get into the groove, okay? I just love it. So what happens is you are what you think. This is what I tell them. They say, I can't do it. You think you can't, you can't. You think you can, you can. And it's not about the positive mind thinking. That's not what this is about. But what it is about is Scripture says, so a man think of, think of in his heart, so he is. So if we look at that, Proverbs 23, 7 says, for as he thinketh in his heart, so he is. And I'm not afraid I spit that Scripture right out to them. You, you keep thinking that in your heart? That's the way it's going to be. You have two years here with me. And you keep saying that for two years, I can't do it, then you can't do it. But if you can do it, then you can do it. So what happens is, we can go ahead and actually put into our minds, minds, and then our heart, and then our body, what it is that we're thinking. Because it's scriptural. And again, this isn't about positive mind. It's not what this is about. We're not going to a seminar where we're talking about that kind of thing. No, I'm using scripture. If you think negative thoughts, you will act in a negative way. Amen? <clears throat> if you're around negative people all the time, chances are you're going to be that negative individual. You're going to start acting and talking negative. But if you would fill yourself or be in a room with positive people, all of a sudden you're going to see this shift take place and you're going to start being a positive individual. And again, I'm not talking right now about positive thinking. and No, I'm talking about just being a person you want to be around. If you think sad things, you're going to be sad. If you're constantly frowning, you're constantly moaning, you're constantly groaning, people aren't going to be around you, number one. Want to be around you, number two. That is what you're going to be. You're producing that. That is what you're producing. <laughs> okay. So in the last week, and it's probably been going on for longer, there's something going on that when I'm speaking, I guess that I have, I don't guess, I have a little <clears throat> whatever in my voice where I'm like, not real nice, okay? So in that, I'm trying to, I'm saying, okay, I'm going to change that. Okay, now, I'm saying, and I'm being honest, I don't know that I'm necessarily doing it, but I'm doing it, okay? And, for instance, if I'm at a staff meeting or even if I'm teaching or whatever I may be doing, because I can be intense, sometimes it can be uh, taken as anger. 
as, okay, so even when Teresa's talking to me, she's, she'll say, well, were you talking like that at the meeting? I'm like, yeah, and she's like, well, they might have thought that you were angry, or that, you know, maybe I had a tude, an attitude, okay, and, and so in that, the point I'm making with all that is, even with me talking, okay, it's not producing life, it's not life producing, so something has to change. Do I like it? No, I don't like it. Nobody likes to have to change. Nobody likes to admit that there's something wrong with them. Nobody likes to be called out. Amen? If you think you're sick, you can feel sick. I mean, there's some people, it's like, you're going, oh, are you always sick. Always sick. Now, I'm not talking about real sickness, but I'm talking about always sick. If you think you're sick, you can make yourself sick. You know what? I know that. I've done that. I've been around people and I'm like, I don't want it. I don't want it. And then what happens is <clears throat> I'm thinking I'm feeling sick. And the next thing you know, I'm like, I'm sick. I'm sick. I'm sick. You've been there before? But you know what? I've also been around people, and I went, I'm not getting, no, I'm joking. Like, stay away. I'm, I'm not getting this. I'm not getting it. I'm not going to get this. I'm not going to get this. I'm not doing this. And I just keep pushing and pushing. You know, I might start feeling a little something, but I just keep pushing and pushing. If you think you're worthless, you'll turn out to be worthless. And you might, think, you might think, where is this coming from? It's true. If you think you're worthless, you're going to turn out to be worthless. Come work with me for a while. Work with some of the worthless students that I work with. Don't come and shake me right now. I don't mean that in a negative way. They're worthless because they've been told they're worthless. And they think they're worthless, so therefore they're worthless. Do I tell them they're worthless? No. I tell them that they have a future. They have a plan. That they're worth something. They're of great value. But that's what they're told and that's what they believe. But on the other hand, oh, if you think bad thoughts, you'll do bad things. If you think bad thoughts, you'll do bad things. <laughs> now, I'm, uh, I'm around people who watch crazy shows, okay? And I'm not, I'm like, whoa. And I know, like, Teresa will watch some of those shows. I'm like, <laughs> like, whoa, my gosh. How do these people think of some of this stuff? To do their spouse in or their friend in or you ever, right? It's like, what? What warped mine? It's like, where did that come from? Thinking bad things. Thinking bad things. And then they do bad things. So in that, I want to say this. But on the other hand, if you think godly things, you'll act more godly. It's a fact. We'll get into more godly things here shortly. When you let the devil control the way you think, you'll live in fear. Anger and depression. 
The Bible clearly states that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And I'm going to say this. As far as being angry, nothing is better when you're angry. Nothing. Bible does say, be angry and sin not. Mm, but how many of us sin not? I failed that test. I'm not speaking, I'm not proud of that. But I'm saying, how many people really, really get that angry and sin not? And then also depression. Now, <laughs> I've said this before when preaching. I could come January. January, you could lock me up in a basement, throw away the key, and I'll come out in April or May when the sun's shining and it's warmer. And I could just hibernate because, and I know, you know what? And some of it's in the mind because the battle's in the mind, amen? But it's like, it just, I can just get depressed and just, is there anyone else out there like that? I know there are, okay, yeah. But, but what happens is, again, the battle's in the mind, so we're talking about depression. And then to the point of even suicide. Suicide. And you know, I don't know if I've ever, ever shared this with anybody before or not in this congregation. I know, I know, some people know it, uh, but it would have been the year 2000, or it was really 1999. And 2000 was coming, and Jason was graduating. Uh, so it would have been like uh, the holiday time of 1999. And we were in our new house, which wasn't that new anymore. I mean, it was a few years old, just a few years old. And, you know, you had expenses and this and that. And if anybody knows anything about me, um, which I've been very candid about, you know, prior to getting saved, um, needless to say, I owed the government a lot of money, okay? <laughs> And God was really faithful and helped us pay that money. Very, very faithful, okay? But what happened was one time we got this letter, and it was like, I read it. And it, the reason I read it so quick, it was from Iris. I-R-S, okay? And I was like, ah. And it was just like this unbelievable amount of money. And I'm going, oh, oh, I thought this was all taken care of. Okay, and then I go, sorry, we're on, vac we're on holiday break, and we won't be back to after January 3rd or something like that. I'm going, oh, oh, so I'm losing the house, I'm uh, uh, and everything. And Teresa goes to the grocery store, and this, this voice says, you're worth more dead than you are alive. You're worth more dead than you are alive. And I'm thinking, <clears throat> I could go get a block, a couple blocks. I could tie it on myself and go out and throw myself out in the pond. I mean, this is going through my mind. And it, it's real. This is going through my mind. I'm going, what? The other side of me, what? Over here is going, do it. Do it. It's not, watch this. It's not a millstone, but it'll work. Because, you know, I knew the scripture about a millstone. What? Not trying to be funny. That's what was going on. And I didn't do it 
she returned, okay? I didn't, I mean, plus I'm, I am a chicken when it comes to that, right? Okay? But it was, so then what happens, we have to have these parties and people coming over and I'm like, my brother just happened to be actually married to this girl who was studying psychology or whatever. So a few weeks afterwards, he was talking to me. He said, well, Beth said, what is wrong with your brother? Because he had, he had whatever of something and he was actually suicidal. I'm like, bingo. And then you might be looking at me right now and thinking, Lenny, suicidal? When I'm up, I'm up. And when I'm down, I'm down. That was the only time ever in my life. is 1999-2000. But you think, what? Listen, I was saved. Fiery dart. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your family, your marriage, your life, your Christianity, your testimony. He wants to destroy everything. You think about what you're exposed to. And I know something like this has been done before. I went down our lane. This is your mind. I went down our lane and just scooped up a little water. It's not like Chase and maybe whoever else has done something before, but because I'm not going to ask anybody to drink it, because that's not what this is about. This is about filling your mind with trash. This is about you, what you think about, or what you're exposed to, is what you think about. How did you learn, for those of you that are older, how did you learn how to multiply? How did you learn your states and capitals? How did you learn Bible verses? Repetition. This is what I tell my students. Repeat, repeat, repeat. You are what you repeatedly do. I used to tell the youth, trash in. I don't have any place to pour this. Trash out. Any, anything good coming out of this glass right now? I don't think so. You are what you eat. You ever, ever, you ever heard that? You are what you eat. Now, <laughs> being funny right now, but it's true. Okay? I am what I eat now. I'm, 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 it's not, but, but we are. Okay? And you go, oh, that's not. No. If you couple it with some exercise and things like that, you are what you eat. Here's your mind filled with the things of God. Mind, mind, God, the enemy. You think about what you're exposed to.
What are we exposed to repeatedly? I can't answer that for you. I don't live in your household. I'm not around you. I'm not with you 24-7. I'm not in your vehicle with you. Can't answer that. You can answer that. I can answer it for what I see for most of the world. Uh, Acts of violence. Movies, TV, video games. And we wonder uh, why there's uh, such violence in the world today. Uh, So much fighting. uh, Unbelievable crime. Such random shootings. Just go to a movie theater and they're just going to blow you away. Or you're walking down the street and they just blow you away. We wonder that. You turn on the TV. When people ask me about watching TV, this is what I tell them. (laughs) I watch Fox News, Shark Tank, and... uh, Dan- okay, and you know what? Okay, Dancing with the Stars, and sometimes we, go, we look at each other and go, ah, we're going to have to quit watching that. And sometimes, you know what's cool is we can go, we can DVR it, and we can go, get rid of that, okay. You can't even watch commercials, right? Okay, because, see, and, and you know, this, this isn't about This isn't about legalism. Because I'm not going to tell you what you can watch and what you can't watch. What you can read and what you can't read. It's not about legalism. It's about what you want your mind to look like. And see, once your mind looks like this, it's about what comes out of you. What comes out of you. And see, you, you... This is for young and old people alike. Okay, old people like that. And this is what you do even, you do it even 100 times more because of social media. Because of social media. Okay? Because of social media. Because you can see it, right? On social media. And And this isn't a social media message, but I'm just saying. For young people and old people alike. This is what you fill your mind with. Or this is what you fill your mind with. Sexual images. TV. Movies. Magazine. Billboards. Internet. And we wonder why we have so much unwed mothers. Rape. Sexual abuse. On women. And. Children. Which don't even understand why because that's what they fill their mind with it's what they repeatedly do we are what we repeatedly do we are what we fill our mind with your your life is shaped by your thoughts you it's shaped by what you think about it's what you are constantly being exposed to and your thoughts determine what you will be happy or sad successful or a failure good or bad Carnal or spiritual? Carnal or spiritual? And this is what I want to say to, to all people. Not, I could say young people. I can say all people. What is it that you, what is it that you want to be able to, to give to other people? Do you understand what's happening here? If this is what your mind is, you either have this mind, the mind of Satan... Or you have this mind, the mind of God. 
What kind of baggage? And now I'm using these glasses just to show you. But see, over here is all the baggage. The battle for your mind began the minute you were saved. Before you were saved, your mind was controlled by your father, which is the devil. And when you tell people that, I mean, I couldn't have been told that. They're like, what? Those are fighting words. What do you mean, the devil? My father, the devil. But then when you become saved or you uh, are born again and you learn the word of God, then you can read the scripture and it, it makes sense. It's Ephesians 2, 3, please. Among whom also we all had our conversation times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. What kind of mind did we have? We had a reprobate mind. Uh, Romans one twenty eight says, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are non or not convenient. Why don't you look at the screen. The word reprobate means to take a test and fail it. Failing to pass the test, unapproved, counterfeit. That's what it means. That's what it means. It means to take a test and you fail it. God looks on the minds of the lost and they fail the test. So many times when I'll hear people say, well... Because when you talk to them, and I'll, I'll be like ministering, and I'll say, you know, you really shouldn't because, and they're like, well, what's wrong with them? They're, they're good people. They are. Okay? They are. God looks on the minds of the lost, and they fail the test. Why? Because their minds are filled with everything but God. And Scripture says that. Their minds are vanity, empty when it comes to spiritual life, God-centered thoughts, anything that pleases God, doesn't exist. Ephesians 4.17 says this. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds. That's not to say that the lost can't do good things. Because I know a lot of lost people that seem to do things and they almost, they do put Christians to shame. Uh-huh. Amen? Yes. That's not to say that the lost can't do good things. Say good things, act in good ways. They can, but they do it in the flesh, and God doesn't honor the flesh. Amen? It's hard to take. It's hard to swallow. But he doesn't honor the things of the flesh because he doesn't, because he's God. Titus 1.15 says, But under them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. They have blinded minds. 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The lost are blinded to the things of God, Unless or until their minds are opened by the Holy Spirit and they, they will continue to walk in darkness. Okay, bottom line is that. And I can look around and there's people in here that I know that through the years 
I had conversations with them, and they'd, they'd be telling me, well, we go to, or our friends go to, and are they saved? Are they born again? Is Jesus their Savior? Well, they, they've always went to, it's not what we're asking. And it's a hard thing, but, but that's what Scripture says. So what happens is we get into the sin baggage thing. Sin baggage is hard to get rid of because it's hard to identify. Often we don't want to identify it. We don't want to see the flaws in ourselves. And so we can't admit to them. Hard to identify. I don't know if you've ever been on a trip before. And there's a reason for these tags. One reason is it tells you where you're going or where you came from. But the other one is it has a tag on it. And it says who the owner is. Lenny Rosser. Because if you're saying it's that, there it is. You run over there. Oh, there it is. Red bags everywhere. Hard to identify. In John 5, 6, Jesus sees a man whose disability held him back all of his life, and he asked the man, do you want to get well? That's what he asked the man. Do you want to get well? And you know, that's what Jesus does to us. He says, do you want to get well? He asks us, do you want to get well? And as we read on, most of us don't like change, but we have, we have to recognize that if we want life to get better, we have to sacrifice change. Now, again, no, I couldn't bend down and tie my shoes. I go, what? And then I, and especially if I was putting Converse on, And then, one time, Jameson decided we were going to, I think it was Jameson, I don't know, it was Jameson or, yeah, it was Jameson, and he said, you have a big belly, Grandpa. Okay? So, in that, for myself, and that, this isn't, do you want to get better? Meaning, do I want to be able to tie my shoe? Heck yeah, I want to be able to tie my shoe. And you know what? It goes beyond that for me. Do I want to try to be here for my grandchildren? Do I want to try to be here for my wife? See, because I could just kept getting, because we're good at, listen, we're good at deceiving ourselves. I turn in the mirror, I'm like, hey, look. Now, I look at pictures now, my face was this big and round, okay? Not funny. You know what? It's like, sheesh, this, is, this message isn't about losing weight, it's about getting better. It's, do you want life? Do you want to get better? Is what it is. And this is just an analogy. And you know what? I'm going to use this analogy. I had like three, closet full, three closets full of clothes, and I'm like, I'm keeping them. I'm keeping them. And you know, I kept, my reason was, you know, I have a lot of money in them. All these clothes over here. 
And then finally we had a conversation one day. <laughs> I guess if I keep them, that just means I'm keeping them so I could grow back into them. So I'm hanging on to my sin baggage so that I could just go back to it, right? Amen? That's what we're doing. We're just put it in the other closet and just go to it when we want it. Later on, Jesus tells him, get up and walk in John 5 eight, Get up and walk is what he tells him. Guess what? Again, the analogy is, how many times have you said, on Monday, I'm going to start my diet. On Monday, on Monday. And Teresa just said today, you know, you can put things in the house. And she'd be like, I can't stay out of them. Right? I can go, this is what I'm doing. Because see, that's what I do. It's like, and I just go for it. Okay? That's just, because she's like, oh, I, I got to get into it. Goes back to, get up and walk. Jesus said, do you want to be healed? Do you want to get better? Do you want to be better? Then get up and walk. Get up and do something. Do something about getting better. Amen? So those of you that are not serving God right now, you're not where you need to be. What are you doing? Get up and walk. So today when we have the altar call, get up and walk to the altar. Ask God to forgive you of your sin, and he will and you'll get better. Jesus didn't miraculously make the man flow to his feet. The man had to make a sacrifice to change, a sacrifice of strength and faith to have his disability removed and his life restored. There's something that we have to do, okay? Now, I want to go back to my classroom because when I'm teaching my students, I... Some of, some of them are wanderers. I give them names. The Wanderer. There's that song, The Wanderer. I'm like, I, I just wish I could push buttons for certain songs when things happen in the classroom. The Wanderer. Like, how many times are you going to wander away from there today? Because you keep wandering away from there for two more years, you're not going to be able to do anything. Right? Because we are what we repeatedly do. So, if you get her as an employee, whoever, she's going to repeatedly, continually wander. Okay? As I just said, Jesus didn't make that man do anything. The man had a part in it, a partnership that took place. A partnership that took place. A change in our life can only happen when we take an active role in partnering with, the God, to achieve, with God to achieve that change for the better. That's the only way. An active role. And too many times we want to be complacent. We don't want to do anything. We don't want to sweat. In Luke 9, 24, Jesus says that whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for me will save it. In this verse, Jesus is telling us that uh, if we cast aside our old life filled with the baggage of sin, he will give us a brand new life. Watch this. Okay? Cast. 
I know Bruce likes to fish. I know my nephew's here. He likes to fish. Bruce, when you cast something, do you cast it? It doesn't just fall right in front of you, does it? Kind of upset when you cast and it falls right in front of you. You get rid of it, don't you? It's like, go, get away from me. You cast it. Get rid of it, correct? Now, if that was full of stuff, that'd just go. But no. Because, see, you're going to see what's going to happen here in a few with that sin baggage. So Jesus is telling us if we cast aside our old life filled with the baggage of sin, he'll give us a brand new life. If we can't cast aside our sin baggage, our life will be lost to us. We cannot experience the life Jesus has in store for us if we don't get rid of the life of sin that burdens us. So if I come back down and I pick up the sin baggage because I don't want to cast it aside because I don't want to partner with God because I don't want to have to work for it. Do you understand where you're going to be? You're not on your knees to God. But do you also understand how ridiculous you look to the world when you're out there saying, I'm a Christian. I love God. I go too. Da, 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 da. I mean, look at this. And this is just bag filled with air. This is my sin baggage. Because I don't want to cast it away from me. I don't want to lose my life. Your mind under God's control. Look at Isaiah 26.3, please. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Remember earlier? Peace and life. Over here, torment. Death. Peace and life. Torment and death. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because you trust in him. Because you trust in him. What kind of a mindset does God give you? Just like Satan wants to control your mind, so does God. He wants to control your mind. Philippians 2.5 says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. The mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Number two, the mind of love. Matthew twenty two thirty seven. Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. I, through the years, have preached, and there's been a couple times where I've brought in a couple letters or a couple cards. And actually I was going to do that again. Three particular, three particular letters or cards. And uh, what happened was I put them in a box. And they're, of course, they ousted me out of my lab. Because they're going to gut it tomorrow. And <clears throat> so those boxes are gone. And um, I didn't bring them. But I wanted to just share some of the... Um, some of the lines that were in there. Because uh, one is from a 
a young man who has no direction whatsoever in his life and doesn't know what he wants to be even, okay, meaning as an individual. And uh, just to listen to what he had to say about how he didn't believe, and he would use the word higher power. And now, at least, he has changed his mind to the higher power. Okay, he's calling him a higher power right now. But then the other two were unbelievable. One person who, after she wrote what she wrote and the things that I told her the morning that she took her state board, she ended up changing her Instagram name to something that was pretty pretty powerful. But yet she also talked about knowing about God through me. It's not about me, but it is about having God in me to be able to give to them. That love, the mind of love. We go on, if we love God by using our mind, what you love, you think about. Think about that. What you love, you think about. What you love, you think about. If you love to fish, you think about fishing all the time. If you love to hunt, you think about hunting all the time. If you love football, you think about football all the time. If you love to work, you think about work all the time. Some of you, work? Prior to me getting saved, I loved football. I thought about football all the time. It's like, still to this day, stupid. I hear sound of football cleats. I get cold chills all over my body. And my erector pili, which is the muscle that makes your hair stand up on your arm, it just stands up everywhere. Don't know. Okay, it's true. So what you love, you think about all the time. Jesus said that we are to love him with all of our mind. How often do you think about him? How often do you think about him? This is a gauge or a meter of your love for God. It's a gauge or a meter for your love for God. I, I, I think it's pretty crazy that we can say that we love him. We love him. And then we can go days without him. Doesn't make sense. Because that's not the way it works. <laughs> so we could go on in Romans 12, 2 says, we need a renewed mind and be not conformed to this world, but be you transform, transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. A renewing of your mind, not to be conformed to this world. So many people get conformed to the world. Instead of being transformed, they end up, and you know what they do? They think that they're going to go out and transform the world, and the world conforms them. They end up transforming them into the world. You're not going to be able to pull them up. They're going to pull you down quicker than you're pulling them up. Old, old visual aid with youth from years ago. It's not possible. It doesn't work. Maybe every now and then, but normally not. 
Have you ever had a change of mind? God wants you to change your mind about some things. He wants you to have a renewed mind. What are some things that you might need to change your mind about? In John 16, 8, when it, he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Let's talk about sin for a moment. Sin needs repentance. You might need to see your sin through God's eyes for what it did to his son, Jesus. When Chase was a little boy, I can still remember us being at Zanesville High School. There was a, it was right before Easter, and there was a service, and God was moving in the service, and I went to the altar, and I was just weeping, and I had my hands held high in the air, and I was telling God that I, thank, I was just thanking him for everything that he had done in my life. And I don't know, at one point in time, my hands went down, and I was just thanking him for his son that died on the cross. And God just kept putting into my heart, yes, that was my son. That was my son. And I'm like, yes, God, I know it was your son. And I have my eyes shut right now because this was so real to me that day. And I'm like, God, it's like we were just talking back. Oh, boy, God, I understand. I know it was your son. I get it. No, it was my son. And then I heard, when I say I heard God's voice, it was that still small voice in my mind, in my heart. He said, my only begotten son. And all of a sudden, this little hand grabbed a hold of my hand. I looked over, and it was Chase, and he had a hold of my hand. I was like, oh my gosh, his only begotten son. It hit me. I got it. Chase grabbed a hold of my hand, my son. And that's when I got it. So sometimes we have to see our sin and what it did to his son on the cross. Righteousness. We might, need, we might need to take a hard look at how we live and compare it to how God would have us live. I know that many times, again, you're not going to change someone's mind. I can't look at Rod and say, Rod, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't wear that plaid. I mean, it's of the world. He's not going to accept that. But you know what? If the, Holy Spirit, if, if the Holy Spirit starts speaking to his heart, if he's in tune with God and the Holy Spirit, and God tells him he can't wear plaid, he's not going to wear plaid. And that's really, really just a, a crazy, crazy idea there. But you know what? We, we know what that means in our life. Some people will celebrate not having a cigarette. They haven't smoked since they've been saved. Or I haven't smoked this long. Or I haven't drank for this long. It's what God does. It's what the Holy Spirit does. Amen? So righteousness is, uh, compare it to how God would have us live. And then judgment. We should live our lives with, it, uh, the etern with eternity in view. Uh, in light of the fact that one day we'll all have to stand before God and give an account of how we live the Christian life. And you know what? We don't get that because we just think, yeah, we're living. We're living. Just on the way here, we were talking about generations and how, yeah, you know, I, I, we're like, wow, you know that in a few years we could lose such and such and we could lose such and such because they're of another generation. And then what happens is it won't be long and guess what? <laughs> we will be the generation that people are losing. It's, that's what what happens, okay? Um, but in that, we don't ever think about it, especially if you're young. Young people over there, 
You don't think about that. You think, oh, I'm going to live forever. No, you're not. Okay? We know that we're not guaranteed tomorrow, but still, we need to live with the end in mind, thinking about standing before God and giving account of the way we lived our life. We need to have one mind. Romans 15, 6 says that you, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 1.27 says that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. 1 Peter 3.8 says, Finally, be you all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Philippians 2.2 says that you be like-minded, having, one, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. If I can get to either music or Rod or, or the band up as I bring this to an end. There are many more kinds of minds uh, that God mentions in scriptures. Uh, he wants, to have us, it wants us to have a willing mind, a ready mind, a lowly mind, a sober mind, a pure mind, a sound mind, a serving mind, and a fervent mind. And I'm sure that there's many others. There is a battle going on for your mind. Satan never lets up. And he's always in the battle. You need to be in the battle. As I read this, I want you to think about this. Getting rid of our sin baggage is not an easy thing to do, and it's not always so simple as throwing it away one time. Sometimes the sin can come back to tempt us. For instance, if I'm walking through here right now, and you know, earlier I cast that sin baggage away, as I walk by, it's there to tempt. I mean, there it is. And you turn from it, and you walk away, but then... You keep looking. But we still have to preserve, uh, to preserve in our new life with Christ and continue to work out our salvation. Philippians 2.12 talks about working out our own salvation with fear and trembling. We need to work against sin. We need to not work against sin to earn our salvation, but work against sin because of our salvation. Does that make sense? I'm going to say that again. We need to not work against sin to earn the salvation, but work against sin because of our salvation. Big difference. Big difference. And as I close, you are what you think. Earlier I stated that. You think about what you're exposed to. Let me leave you with this one verse. And this is a verse that's been in our household for a few weeks now. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, Think on these things. That's where our mind needs to be.
that scripture right there. Look at the mind. If that's your mind, look at it. As music plays, I would ask that you consider where your mind has been. I'd ask that you think about the baggage that you've been carrying. I would ask that you let God minister to you. If you're someone who just totally have turned your back on God, I want you to know that He's always there. And there's no sin too big for Him. No sin too big for Him. So as the music plays, these altars are open.